The following podcast is a presentation of Liberty Christian Fellowship, loving God and loving people in a hurting world. For more information about our church, visit us online at libertyobx.com. You can also like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter and Instagram for updates and encouragement. We hope this message inspires you and blesses you. Now prepare your hearts to hear a powerful word from God. God bless. All righty. Thanks for being here this morning. Uh, it is an incredible opportunity just to get in the house. And uh, as Scott was sharing about our veterans this morning, uh, I find myself next to him just kind of getting real excited. Um, because this land that we live in and the privilege we have to gather like this has been paid for uh, by people who are willing to give themselves in service and risk their lives, and many of them give their lives so that we could have this opportunity. Now, when we realize the gift that God has given us in terms of the freedom that we have in this land, we should be a people who gather every morning with ourselves and with God. When we crawl out of the bed, we ought to be realizing that we are a blessed, blessed people. So therefore, we ought to be excited about telling somebody about Jesus. Because the blessing that we have comes to him, through him to us, from the heart of the Father, by the power of the Holy Spirit. So this morning, I'm going to walk you through some things. Basically, I'm going to chronicle some of the life of Peter. And what we're going to be talking about, essentially, in case it gets lost in all of my verbiage, we're going to talk about casting your net. We're talking about what it means to cast your net. And at some point in sharing this, I hope you realize that you the net. You are the net. You're the one that God is preparing to cast. You're the one that he sends. You're the one that he anoints. You're the one that he goes before to even prepare the place for you to cast your net. Somewhere in the process of this sharing, uh, I hope you get that. And at the tail end of it, I'm going to ask you a simple question. And that question is this. How's your net? How's your net? What are you doing with it? What's it look like? Have you given yourself to him so that your net can be about everything that your net is called to be about? So we're going to start with John chapter 1. Those of you who know me know that that's not an unusual place uh, for me to start. We'll start with John chapter 1, verse 35, where Jesus is being presented by John the Baptist for his public ministry. That means that he's been to the river, he's been baptized, he's been anointed of the Holy Spirit, he's gone into the wilderness, and now he's coming out and he's ready for his public ministry. And John the Baptist, who was a man sent from heaven, filled with the Spirit of God from his mother's womb, that John was sent to prepare the way for the Messiah. John recognized that the Messiah was Jesus as he baptized Jesus in the river, and the Holy Spirit descended like a dove and remained on him, because that's what John had been told. That's how you will be able to identify the Messiah. 
So that's occurred. Jesus has been in the wilderness, and now he's come out, anointed of the Holy Spirit, and ready to begin his public ministry. So John, who has been a voice crying in the wilderness, preparing the way, preaching the word, calling people to repentance. Now John is there in this crowd. Jesus is coming by. John introduces Jesus, and he simply says, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. So he presents Jesus to those that were gathered there. Behold the Lamb that takes away the sins of the world. They're familiar with the Lamb in the Jewish culture. The sacrifice that was made once a year that removed the sin of the nation for one year. And every other year they had to have a new Lamb. But when Jesus came, they would not need another Lamb that he would be God's lamb that would be sacrificed for them, for you, for me, for all generations to come, that through the cross and the shed blood of Jesus, we would be brought into the kingdom of God as we by faith believed. Now, for most of us, that means somebody has shared that word with us. Somebody has told us about Jesus and the high calling that each of us has is that we have this treasure in these earthen vessels, the very kingdom of God. And God wants us, in obedience, to be vessels through which that is released. So there's a sense in which you are that net that gets cast out into the world for people to be drawn into the saving grace of Christ Jesus. So what I'm going to talk about a little bit now is shifting to the person of Peter. And we're going to look at his journey. And there are a number of things about his journey that I would like <clears throat> for us to be able to sort of write <clears throat> somewhere down in our spirits <clears throat> and, and keep it there and not let it get away. Jesus was about the business of bringing his fresh disciples, his new disciples, those first disciples. And in this passage in the first chapter of John's gospel, when he is introduced by John, some of John's disciples leave him and they follow after Jesus. This is that beginning of Jesus gathering around him those disciples that he would entrust with the gospel, who were people through whom we have been impacted 2,000 years later. So what, what's taking place here is Andrew was one of those who left John and followed after Jesus. Andrew had a brother who was named Simon. Thank you, my brother. Yeah, I won't kiss you on the head like I did my brother over there, but thank you. Andrew was the brother of Simon who was to become Peter. And after he had spent time with Jesus, Andrew was a little bit jacked up about this thing. So he goes and looks for his brother, Simon, finds him, and says something like this. Not having been there, it's kind of hard for me to tell exactly what he said. But my guess is he said something like this. Simon, hey, you know the Messiah we're looking for? I have found him. I spent time with him. I know him. I love him. He's the real deal. I want to take you to him. So Andrew then brings his brother, Simon, and Jesus greets Simon and tells him that now he's going to have a new name. That he's going to be called Peter. 
Now, in that exchange, we're not told how long it took all of what was said, but we know that Peter's life was never the same again. Now, if you look at Luke chapter 5, and you begin with the first verse there, you find Jesus going down to the Galilee, and as he gets down to the Galilee, he has been sharing the Word of God, and there are a lot of people gathered around Jesus to hear the Word of God. But Jesus is there because he has on his mind and heart a desire and a need to have an encounter with Peter. So this encounter that we read about in Luke 5 is not the first exposure that Peter has to Jesus. But when Jesus shows up, Scripture there says that Peter is cleaning his nets, that Peter has fished all night, and he's caught nothing. So he is there now wanting to clean his nets and take a nap. He's not really necessarily looking for some itinerant Jewish preacher to get in the middle of his mess and want to get in his boat. But Jesus ignores all of that, goes down to the shore, sees two boats, and gets in Peter's boat. And when he gets Peter's attention, he finally says to him, would you push out a little from the shore? Because Jesus had the crowd that was pressing on him so much, he wanted to be able to teach them from the boat. Now, I have never been fishing with a net. So I'm only talking to those who have so they can tell me what it's like to fish with a net. In truth, what little fishing I have done, I've caught nothing. <laughs> so if you're looking for an expert on this whole deal about catching fish, you ain't looking at the right person. But if you want to talk to somebody that's excited about being a fisher of men, you and I can have a long talk. So what happens here is that Peter's cleaning his net. Now, for those of you who do use nets, Nets need certain kinds of care. They need to be cleaned. Oftentimes, they need to be mended. And they also need to be emptied. It's kind of hard to put a fresh load in a net when the net's already full. Because there's another catch out there somewhere. So we're to keep the net prepared for the fishing that we're going to do. Now, when he gets him in the boat, out into the middle of the lake, Jesus tells him to let the net down. And Peter's looking at Jesus thinking, dude, I have done this all night. And I did it where the fish are supposed to be. Now you got me out here in the middle of the day where the fish aren't supposed to be, and you want me to drop my net. And Peter it's listening, hopefully, and finally he says, okay, doesn't make any sense to me, but at your word, I will drop the net. So he drops the net, and when he drops the net, the net gets so full, it's breaking, the boats are trying to sink, and Peter's going, what is happening here? You know what happened? Peter was a little bit like a lot of us. In that Jesus had to get him to a place that almost made no sense. 
before he was willing to hear what God said do and do it. The interesting thing about you and me as the nets that God wants to cast is that our humanity is a mess. And just because you get born again doesn't mean this thing goes away. It's here. And the process of this humanity then being used for his purposes is a process. And part of that has to do with your mind being renewed, redeemed, if you will. So Peter is there thinking, no fish, but at his word. And then all of a sudden, fish come from everywhere, and he's got more than he knows what to do with. What was happening was Jesus had to get him to a place where he could hear what the Spirit was saying and be available to the Spirit of God and not limited by his humanity or by the natural mind. You understand that? If we're talking about us being the nets that God's going to cast, we have to understand some basic things. God doesn't always come to your life when it's convenient. Oftentimes, when you've talked to the last person, and you're sitting in a restaurant, and you're saying, please, God, I just want to eat with my family. I don't want to talk to another human being. In that moment, God would say, would you just pray for the waitress? And you're thinking, I don't mind doing it, Jesus, but please, just a little time here with the family. It's not always convenient. It has to do with his timing, which is really one of the secrets of the gifts of the Holy Spirit being released rightly in our lives, is to trust his timing and not try to orchestrate it on our own. So now we've got Peter dropping net, got all these fish, and now Peter is looking at this thing, can't understand it in the natural. So the only thing he can do is throw himself down at the feet of Jesus and say, get away from me. I am an unholy man. I recognize who you are. You don't even need to be in the boat with me. And Jesus looks at him and simply says, hey, I'm going to make you a fisher of men. Just follow me. I'm going to make you a fisher of men. If you read through that passage, it's really exciting because these guys now have a fish catch greater than anything they have ever seen. At no time in their lives have they had this kind of catch, so much so that it's miraculous what they've got. But when they get to the shore, Scripture says they left it right there and followed after him. It's not about holding on to the miracle that happens in our relationship with Jesus. It's about holding on to the one who did the miracle. It's about developing the relationship with Jesus where it's not about doctrine and dogma and rules and regulations, but it's about an intimate personal love relationship with the living Lord Jesus. And these guys left the miraculous to follow him. And they were to become the fishers of men who would inherit this gospel message out of this relationship with Jesus. 
and then would spend their lives casting themselves as a net so that other people could be drawn in to the family of God. But just in case, you might think Peter had a free ride after this miraculous encounter. Let me tell you, his journey was not easy. Being that net that gets cast out into sinful humanity is not easy. If you watch Peter, if you happen to flip over to uh, John chapter 18, you find there that Peter is doing exactly what Jesus had told him he would do. Peter had said to Jesus, look, I'll die for you. I'll follow you to the death. I will always be there. And Jesus looked at Peter and said, hey, there's going to come a time where you're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows. And Peter said, no, not happening. Jesus said, yeah, it is. But I prayed for you. So when you are converted, strengthen your brothers. Now hear me on this. If when you come into your relationship with Jesus and you find your identity as a child of God and you make yourself available so that you can be that net that is led and thrown out there by the Holy Spirit, please understand this. You're going to mess up. If you think you're going to make this journey and not mess up, you are sadly mistaken. The good news is he's prayed for you. He's going to be there. But you're going to mess up. Now, don't receive that and go out the door and say, John's up there speaking a curse over us from the pulpit. <laughs> no, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying inside you there is the living God. What you're living in is still humanity. And God's doing a work on this thing. And somewhere as you try to be out there, cast out there as a net, you're going to mess up. Good news is God ain't given up on you. He's prayed for you, and you will be restored. All right? Now, flip over there with me to John chapter 20 and 21, where we find Jesus has been crucified. Jesus has been raised from the dead, and his disciples are hiding in a room because they are afraid. They had every reason to be afraid. Because they had watched the one that they served be brought down with crucifixion. And now he's been raised from the dead and they don't understand it. And they're feeling very alone and afraid. And so they are locked into this room. And Jesus has to come through the door as the resurrected Lord of glory and speak to them. Hear me now. Even after their failure, even after dealing with stuff they didn't understand, Jesus still went looking for them. Can I just tell you you can't hide from him? Listen, I've run into people a lot over the years and watched them try to hide from God. I have done my best at critical times in my life to hide from God. Let me tell you, there ain't no hiding place because he's coming looking for you. He's got a plan for your life. You the net that he wants to throw out there through the power of the Holy Spirit, to draw people in. He's looking for you. For me, when I look at the cross, see it sitting up there on the hill? I believe as I look at it, what that cross is saying is that I love you. I'm looking for you. 
And nothing never killed my love for you. I'm coming to find you. We also find here in this scripture, if you go back to 18, where Peter has done exactly what Jesus said he would do. He had denied Jesus three times before the rooster crowed. And then Peter tried to go into hiding himself. And the other disciples dispersed. Jesus, however, is still waiting for that moment when he can break into their lives again and they will discover who they are and they can be that effective net that gets thrown out. That you and I today are recipients of their obedience and the fact that God did not give up on them. But when they're gathering together, they're talking this thing over, they don't know exactly what to do, and Peter says, I'm going fishing. Now, let me help you with this. There are a lot of times in my life, in my journey with God, as I've walked through different issues, where I had simply said, I want to go play golf, because fishing ain't my thing. But if I were a fisherman, I would have been saying, I want to go fishing. I want to go do something to get away from this call on my life because it's killing me. So Peter went fishing. I just want to tell you, and I know I've shared it with you before, but let me tell you again in case you forgot. If you go back to where you were when you found Jesus and he found you, you go back to getting what you got before he found you. Hear me? Because the only thing any of us ever gave up when we said yes to Jesus was the stuff in our lives that was killing us. That's all. And if we think we're going to go back and deny this call on our lives, we're going to go back and get what we had. It's exactly what happens to Peter. He gets down to the Galilee. He's going fishing. But he ain't catching nothing. The boy had a bad business. I don't know what you think, but whatever I read about him in Scripture, he ain't catching nothing. <laughs> so he's catching nothing. Now Jesus knows that he's gone fishing, knows that he's feeling guilty, knows that he knows that he's blown it, and yet Jesus goes looking for Peter. Hear me. When we get so broken and hurt in our journey, and we feel like we got to quit. We just can't make it anymore. I want you to understand Jesus is going to come looking for you. He will not give up on you. He will make himself known to you in a fresh and new way. So he says to Peter, y'all caught any fish? Peter said, no. Ain't caught nothing. And Jesus didn't say, I told you. He just simply said, Put the net on the other side of the boat. A lesson Peter learned earlier to obey the word of God and then watch the miraculous take place. So he put the net on the other side of the boat and here come the fish. Whoop! Again. Somewhere in this process, Peter, who's been fishing and casting his net to no avail, having removed his outer garments. I don't know how much he had on when he finished, 
But he's out there without his outer garments. And somewhere in this process, he realizes that's Jesus up there. That's Jesus. The writer of the Gospel of John reminds you that he, John, recognized Jesus before Peter did. But when Peter recognized him, he puts his clothes on and then jumps in the ocean or in the, in the, in the Sea of Galilee. I don't know about you, I, I take them off when I get in the water. He puts his clothes on and he makes his way to the shore. They get the fish in and Jesus is on the shore, got bread and fish cooking and he ain't been to the bakery and ain't been fishing. So Jesus is prepared to receive these disciples. And all he says to them about breakfast is, won't you bring me some of what you have? Now here's the deal. All they had was what he gave them. Just a word in passing here. That's all God's asking. For you to be that net that he cast. It's not about what I have to offer. What I have to offer is really irrelevant. It's what he gives me that I embrace and am willing to share. It's what's going to make the difference out there. I've run into so many people who feel disqualified. They feel like they don't have anything, no talent, no giftings. Let me help you. If you just give him your nothing... He'll make something out of you and use you for his glory. So when they get to the shore, they're there now. Peter's journey is coming to a place where God's going to share some things with him that he's not sure he wants to hear. But Jesus is there at the charcoal fire, same kind of environment where he denied Jesus three times. It's only the second place in Scripture where you find the charcoal fire. And Jesus is there to restore Peter. So he's got him there, and he simply says to the crowd, do you love me more than these? Peter, do you love me more than these? And Peter manages to say, uh, yes, Lord. And he said, well, then feed my lambs. Feed my lambs. Peter, do you really love me? Well, then feed my sheep. Peter, do you really love me? Feed my sheep. The call of God never left him. Jesus was always in hot pursuit. But now Peter had to hear something that I don't think would make most of us happy. He was saying to Peter, Peter, you are the big fisherman. You are the one folks can be talking about years from now. You are that example, that net, that, that one that tells us what it's like to be out there and sent out into the world to cast a net. But I need to tell you something, Peter. When you get old, folks are going to take you someplace you don't want to go. They're going to bind you up and take you someplace you don't want to go. And you're going to be crucified upside down for me. But never mind that, Peter. Follow me. Follow me. And Peter, still not rid of his humanity yet, said, What about John? 
What are you going to do with John? If if all this is going to be on me, what are you going to do about John? And Jesus said, hey, don't worry about John. You follow me. We we are not people who are destined to make an easy journey through this life. We get blessings. God cares for us. He'll never forsake us. He's the all-sufficient one. He's there. We know that. But there's a world out here that does not like the gospel. We live in a nation now that is more hostile with the gospel than any time I can remember in my lifetime. We have a political system that is corrupt from top to bottom. We have all kinds of stuff that has been the enemy of the gospel. And in the middle of that, God is just simply saying, I'm sending you out. I'm sending you out to be my net. To be my net. After the service at 8, uh, at eight o'clock, a friend of mine, or one of our elders actually, came up and said to me, I had a revelation. He said, while you were preaching, I had a revelation. I said, that's cool. What was it? He said, well, you know, when you fish with a hook or when you fish with bait or you fish with a lure, you're really pretty specific in what you're trying to catch. That if you're going fishing for tuna, you go there and you do this or whatever. And since I know nothing, I'm quoting, you understand? So it's specific. But when you cast a net, you catch anything. Catch all kinds of stuff. And sometimes your net is going to pull in people. When you look at it, you're going to say, really, Lord? Why you put this in my net? My net was not intended to hold such as these. And then sometimes you start cleaning your net, and you're saying, out of here. Out of here. <laughs> this one's easier to work with. Thank you, Jesus. I like this one better. You know? No, no. Whatever comes in your net, that's what you got. It's the heart of God. It's what we talk about in core values here. It's the heart of the Father that nobody would be left behind. That's why he sends you and me out, cast a net, and to receive whatever we catch. And love whatever we catch with the heart of the Father. And be faithful in it. It's an amazing thing that God has chosen the such and the likes of you and me. To invest the gospel. And to send us out. You remember me telling you that you have to do certain things with your net? That you have to clean your net. You know what I mean, don't you? Don't sit there and act like you don't know what I mean. Clean your net. If you are the net, let me tell you about some of the dirty stuff in your net that'll mess up the catch. Bitterness. Unforgiveness. A lack of love. Holding on to your woundedness. And thinking somehow or the other that's your identity. 
got clean your net. And since you're not capable of it, and I'm not capable of it, he sent the Holy Ghost. He will put his finger on stuff in your net. The thing is, we have to be willing to give him permission to clean it. And when we say yes, he will, he'll ladle that stuff out of there. It's really freeing to get rid of bitterness, y'all. You got to take care of your net by mending it. Some of the folk in the body of Christ have been wounded in ways they never asked for. Some people have come up in families where they've been hurt and they need healing. We look at folks out here and wonder, why are they messing up like that? Well, maybe you ought to get to know them and see. If you're going to be the net, you need to find some healing for your stuff so he can send you out to be part of the healing for their stuff. But some of us have a tendency to want to wrap ourselves up in our brokenness and let our brokenness be our identity so that we become toxic instead of a good net. Y'all understand what I'm saying? You do, don't you? I look at these 87 kids, is that what it is over here? 85? I, I don't know what kind of family these kids are in. I know some of them probably are, are in difficult situations. I don't know what kind of mamas and daddies, or even if they've got a mama and a daddy in the house. I don't know. What I do know is that wherever we are, as we grow, we have a tendency to get hurt in one way or another. But if we're going to be what God's called us to be and be able to reach out to those around us who really are also hurting and are broken and introduce them to the love of the Lord, then we have to be willing to be honest about where our brokenness is and, and somehow let the Lord heal us. And we've got to be able to forgive the people that disappoint us so that we don't get bound up with it. And sometimes we have to empty out our net. I laughed at the first service talking about the fact that when I went to see this neurologist, uh, she's about so high, and she and I didn't necessarily agree. It was less than not seeing eye to eye. Uh, she uh, thought I ought to be forgetting a lot of stuff and this kind of stuff. And, and one thing she said to me before I left was that I needed to empty my garage. Well, I thought, that's good. My wife, <laughs> I won't say my wife, Scott's mama. She, uh, she tells me that all the time. <laughs> you need to empty the garage. And I said, well, if you just tell me what I can throw away, I can empty the garage. But in the journey that we're on, when God's wanting to use us as a net, we have a tendency to fill this thing up here with so much stuff that we're not available when the moment comes where God wants to use us. We think too much. Some of us have our thoughts as idols. And I'm not going to knock Facebook and iPhones and things that are supposed to be iPhones that aren't. And Twitter and texting and Instagram and whatever else there is out there that I don't even know about. Or bad theology 
or being locked into a certain style of worship and not being willing to receive another kind, or idolizing people who do what they do in a certain kind of way and then get down on ourselves because we can't do it that way. There's a lot of stuff up here. And sometimes in order to be effective as that net, we've got to empty this thing out. Empty it out. So we can have the mind of Christ. So the love of the Father can flow freely through us. So, back to finishing this, since I know some of you got to be ready to go here. But we're going to have communion before you leave, so don't get excited here uh, about leaving. I want you to look at the person next to you and say, how's your net? How's your net? Does it need mending? Does it need to be cleaned out? How about that net? Yeah, you emptied that sucker out. Make room for what God's got for you because what God has for you is so far beyond what you can imagine. What a joy to be sent out. To be a gatherer, a net that brings people into the family. What an incredible, incredible gift. Uh, We're going to have communion, and this is what I'd like for you to do. We're going to serve you as you're seated there. But what I'd like for you to do is, I'd like for you to bring yourself in faith to a living Lord Jesus Christ as you receive these elements. If you are broken, bring it before the Lord as you take these elements and know that you're going to be met by the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ and there's healing in Him today for you. Bring to Him any over kind of overcrowdedness up here that keeps you from hearing and, and being able to share what God's deposited in you. If you need physical healing this morning and you take these elements, he is the healer. And you're coming face to face with him this morning. By faith, lay hold of that thing that you need in terms of healing this morning. It's an opportunity to worship him, but at the same time, we encounter his real presence. And it brings life and healing and wholeness to us. And understand, when you leave this house today, You are a sent people. God is using you to cast his love and his saving grace. So take it seriously. And know if you mess up, it's okay. You'll get another chance. And no matter where you are, you know he's still there. He ain't leaving you. And you can't hide, so you may as well embrace it and get on with the program. All righty? Scott's going to lead us in some worship here. I'm going to pray over these elements as these guys serve you. You have the bread and you have the juice, which for us are the blood and the body of our Lord Jesus Christ. On that night when he was betrayed, that night, Jesus took the bread, broke it, and gave thanks and said, this is the body. This is my body that's given for you. Take and eat it. Receive it. Let it be a part of your life. He took the cup and he blessed it, gave thanks. 
He said, this is my blood shed for you. It's the blood of a new covenant. Not doing away with the old covenant, but I'm giving you a new one. That in this covenant, my shed blood will wash away your sins. But it's also a cup of healing, cup of refreshing. So receive this in faith this morning as you remember Jesus. Not just what he was, but remember who he is right now, alive in resurrection power. One of the things when I've received communion over the years that I've reminded myself of is that sometimes when we get into this historically and we think that these bad people somehow came over and captured Jesus and drug him to the cross, the truth is Jesus went to the cross because his daddy said go. He chose to go to the cross for people like you and me. He also chose to be raised from the dead. He also chose to come back. He also chose to send the Holy Spirit. He is an ever-present, resurrected Lord of glory who lives in us, and through us, He will release the miraculous. So, excuse me, I'm going to ask Scott as we are continuing to serve one another if he would just pick up on a chorus that we didn't do, would you mind doing that? Jesus, holy and anointed one, you're good to me. <laughs> I love you, big boy. Am I still on? I'm still on there. <laughs> <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus.